El Camino People, de podcast, episode 6. Hi everyone and welcome to El Camino People, the podcast. Today is March 24th and yesterday we got some news of a pilgrim that was crossing the Pyrenees and he got stopped by the police. Remember, the Camino is in a lockdown. We are not able to walk in Spain. We are supposed to stay at our houses. We can only go out for food or whatever, you know, medical reasons or work that we need. So no Camino, sorry fellows. We are gonna have to be waiting for the Camino till probably May or June. But that means, you know, that we are going to be more, with more willing to do the Camino and with more need of Camino than ever. But remember, we are all still walking the Camino from home. The Camino can wait, but we can't. So what we do, we share our stories, we share our pictures, we share our memories. And today we are walking from Grañón to Villafranca de Montes de Oca. And we will be talking, you know, on, the, on Instagram and on Facebook about Donativo. What is the Donativo for you? So please join us, go to our Instagram, go to our Facebook and enjoy with other pilgrims. So welcome to El Camino People, the podcast. Today we have a long distance connection. We are talking to Australia and over there we have Maggie. Hi Maggie. Nice to talk to you again. Hi. So I met Maggie when I was uh, walking with with Mark and the the people from the from the movie that they are still trying to to get out. And we met in close to Muxia and we walked for a couple of days. And it was an incredible opportunity to meet the, this amazing woman. And I want to let her introduce herself and she's from Australia, as I said, as she's a writer and she has walked many Caminas. So what can you tell us about you, Maggie? <laughs> what would you like to know? <laughs> Everything. How did you start? Why? My biggest question all the time is why the Camino and what happened the first time you decided to, to make such a huge journey over a, more than a thousand oh. kilometers to come over to Spain to walk? What happened? Well... To start with, I love Europe. I've been to Europe a lot. I've never been to Spain until I walked the Camino. Um, I was sitting at work one day and I'd been working in an office for about 20 years and I was sitting there at work and I was just looking at my boss and I thought, oh, I think I've had enough of this and I don't like you anymore. <laughs> and I thought I had long service leave. We get... Um, I had six months holiday owing to me. So I thought I'll take that and I'll go and walk that walk that I'd read about about 20 years ago. Um, so I, I did. I started planning it and off I went. So did you read any, any special book or was it just like a storybook or just a school or anything related to that? Yeah, I can't remember what it was called. But I remember reading about the Camino and thinking this sounds like something I want to do. But I had little children at the time and it was just wasn't possible. So I thought I'd do it when I'm older and that day came. <laughs> so I just um, I started collecting all my stuff very quietly. I didn't tell anyone for a long time. And then um, I booked my tickets, told everyone I was going. No one believed me. And off I went. <laughs> so and, um, how was the process like from the time you decided to, to 
you know, to quit the job. And this has become something quite familiar with me. Like we were talking that, you know, my friend from, I have a friend from Australia and it was kind of like the same process. He was tired from his job and he had read about the Camino and suddenly he's like, I'm done, I'm going. So for him, it was like, yes, even, you know, less than two weeks. How was it for you? Did you, did you plan it for a long time or were it just a one-time decision? Let's say, I'm like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, it took me about a year to get everything together, all my plans and whatever. I really didn't think I could walk that far because I've been sitting in an office job for 20 years, not exercising a lot, and I thought I'm never going to finish it. And I jokingly said to my son, um, he's a tattoo artist, he, he, well, he, we were just talking about it one day, and he said, if you finish it, Mum, I'm giving you a tattoo. So, <laughs> so I finished and I forget the tattoo. I have it on my ankle, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a, good, that, that, yeah. that's a great story because uh, I have also another friend that is doing a study about Camino tattoos, so yours has have a great story. So what do you have? What is your tattoo? Is it a sale or...? Uh, it's a picture of um, a medieval pilgrim. Wow, so cool. Mm. So, a, yeah. in which year no, did you walk your first Camino? When did it happen? Oh, it was 2006, 15. 15, okay. In, yeah, April, and um, I, I do this. I jump into things and then cope with it. So I got there, got to St. John. I couldn't sleep. I was really nervous. I so read I got that. Up really early. <laughs> I read that in your blog. <laughs> yeah. Got up really early and I went for a walk. And the first thing I saw was the helicopter landing and an ambulance arriving. And they were <laughs> offloading Pilgrim into the helicopter. And I looked at the mountains and I could see snow. And I was thinking, oh dear, what have I done? And then I started walking and the first day for me was very tough because I was not fit and I got to Orison and I could not have walked another step. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. And I, I was just, I remember standing there looking at that beautiful view and thinking, I can't back out because I've told everyone I'm doing this. <laughs> How the hell am I going to do it? <laughs> but... Um, that night I met some lovely people and they buoyed me along and we walked, I walked quite a long way with a, a girl called Colleen that I met that night and we're still really good friends. That's, um, that's amazing. Yeah. So why the Friends Camino? Why you decided to, to start in Shenzhen? You know, a lot of people ask me, and I did the same for me when I decided to do my first Camino, I, I decided to jump over the Pyrenees. I think that was the proper way to get the whole feeling and I, and I love it. I think the... The stage from Saint Jean to Roncesvalles is it's incredible. Uh -huh. We also have to remember the pilgrims that in the winter is a no go. Like right now, it is closer, and for as you know, for real reasons, a lot of people yes. die and, and get lost over there. It's it's, it's quite a steep also. So why you decided to to go for the French Camino? I'm like, it's the main way, but was there anything um, else for you? Or? It's the only one I knew of at the time. Okay, I think that's the case for most people. They think there's just one Camino. Um, yeah. I like the idea of crossing the Pyrenees, and to me it was the most exhilarating part of the whole walk. I, I walked through snow and hail and everything. It was really rough weather, um, but I loved it. It, uh, it made me feel alive. I know. For me, it was the same. I did it in, in I think the way you did it in, in April, I, we have to remember people that the Pyrenees, even April is already spring here in Spain. 
it can be full of snow. Like the, light, the latest years with the climate change and everything, we have snow even late in May sometimes. Yeah. It's not covered, but you still have to be careful. But I think the idea of just going from San Jan to, to Horizon is, is incredible because when I, I stop in Horizon just for the, for the breakfast, and it's so beautiful. I can imagine staying over there one yeah. your your first night it might be an amazing experience. And then yeah, if you can, yeah, if you can stay there overnight, it is one of the best nights on the Camino. It's got a really electric atmosphere. Yeah. Everyone's so excited. And then once you go to the ridge and you see Ronces Bayes in the bottom and you know that from now on oh. it's just all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. That's one of my favorite parts. So mm. then you continue all your walk till Santiago. How was your how was your experience for your first Camino now that you have walked many more? What do you remember? The thing I remember about the first Camino hmm, was the people I met. Um, how everybody is like-minded and everyone cares for each other and looks after each other. I was really taken aback by that. Uh, the kindness of people and the locals were lovely. Um, I laughed. I walked a lot with Irish people. They're very funny. And I just laughed the whole way along the Camino. Um, and I came back to my job and tried to fit back in, but I was a different person and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I, I left, <laughs> left my job and I haven't worked since. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I left my job, but I'm, I have to work since. <laughs> but I, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people right now, they're doing the, the Camino or once they are retired or once they're looking for a, for a time for a change. I guess you, yeah. you were in that moment of, of your life. I was in that moment of my life. How did the Camino help you to, to explore or to, to, you know, to know yourself better and take that decision? Um, hmm. Well, like in the, in the beginning of my book, I talk about why I walked the Camino. I had become everybody's someone and I'd lost myself. I, you know, I was a mum, I was a, a, a sister, a daughter, a, everything. I was an employee. I'd become my job. And um, I just uh, forgot who I was and I woke up and thought, I'm sick of just treading water and swimming. I want to live my life instead of sitting at the desk all day. Yeah. So after I had experienced that beautiful outdoor experience and met all these wonderful people and I realized there was more to life. Yeah, this is one of the and things that I know, you know, we know as pilgrims that the real Camino starts when you get back home. Yeah. That's, that's the hardest yeah. part of the Camino and that's when you realize what you have accomplished and what you have ahead. And, you know, people always just like, oh, what is the, the goal is Santiago? I'm like, what is the Camino meaning? I'm like, you have to live it to be able to, to understand it. And now that you talk about your book, uh, if anyone wants to check, you know, Maggie is a writer. She has two books about the Camino and you can check her website, margaretcaffin.com.au. So tell us a little bit more about your two books. I, I know you have the Camino Journal and you have also Walking Home. Walking Back Home, sorry. So what was the... the um, yeah, that's my uh, first book that I did. Um, I did that. It's it's not a diary like everybody else writes. Mm -hmm. I wrote it probably two years after I had walked the Camino. Um, it's about the French Camino and my experience on that Camino. 
um, it's a retrospective look at what happened to my brain, my body, what was going on in my life, the thoughts I had. Um, and I had one or two very spiritual experiences while I was walking about the Camino, and I write about that. Then I put some coloured pictures in so people could see what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the back half of the book is just hints for people that haven't done it yet and don't know where to start. And it's I do a lot of public speaking about the Camino. So um, it's answers to questions that people have asked me at those talks, like where do you stay, how do I know where to go, what do I take, how much does it cost, all that sort of thing, um, just practical information in the back. Oh, sounds, sounds um, yeah, um, incredible. Yeah. So how many times have you walked the Camino so far? Sorry? So how many times have you walked a different Camino so far? Oh. Um, I don't do the same one. So I've done lots of walking. I've done, the French was my first one. And I think that's the best one to do for your first because... I agree with you, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I uh, um, I, believe, I believe that the first experience, if you do the French yeah. and if you can do the, the whole journey from St. Jean to yeah. to Santiago, it's, it's the best you can get as, as first-time experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've walked that one. Um, I did the Portuguese Central, the Portuguese Coastal, the Ingles, the Via de la Plata, San Abres, I uh, went to Murcia. <laughs> um, I've done the uh, Santiago Finisterre Murcia area. And then I've walked um, a little bit in France on the Le Puy and the Vézelay, just little bits. And I've walked parts of the Norte. Um, and I've been over to England and done a tiny bit of the um, southwest coast, I think they call it, yeah. of England. Wow, that's impressive. And also, uh, I don't know, I lose track. <laughs> and I know that you've been living in Spain for, for quite a while. And how's your Spanish yeah. going? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I went to school. I love Santiago and I've got a lot of friends there now. Um, so I went to stay with a friend there and um, I went to school. Because we only can go for 90 days. Oh, yeah, with a, with a tourist visa, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I went to school. I got a, I wanted to stay longer, so I thought the easiest way is to get a, a visa. Uh-huh. Did the Schengen visa and all those things, and they were too difficult. So I thought, oh, I may as well go to school and learn Spanish if I'm going to live there. So I got a student visa at the age of 64. Wow, <laughs> um, incredible, great for you. <laughs> yeah, um, so I went to school for four months. So and, how, how um, was that decision from from you know from living in the in Australia, from walking the Camino, from suddenly being a student with sixty four years old in Santiago? And for people that don't know, Santiago is a student city. It's like it's not a big city, but its main yeah. way of business is the Camino and also the 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 college that is there. So you can find students or pilgrims, and in this case, we have both in one. Yeah. It's a massive university. Uh, someone told me that it's more than half the um, population is students. Yeah, it is. It is quite a small town. People think that is the you know the main city of the of the state, but it's not. It's quite a little no. little city, 
and it's just yeah. students and pilgrims and nothing else yeah. really. <laughs> a few old people scattered in and out. So how yeah. so how was being a student? You know, I'm like I guess if it's did that for four months, and then I had um, I had applied for a four month visa, and they gave me six. Okay. So I had two months just to travel around or just to have a bit of fun at the end. Yeah, that's the way it should be. Mm. And so was it enough for months for practice your and improve your Spanish or how was it? Oh, look, I've got an older brain, so it probably takes me longer to learn things. But (laughs) I thought because I can speak a bit of French, I thought it would be easy. Mm -hmm. It's a really difficult language. (laughs) (laughs) It is. I always say that I I would rather write in English than in Spanish because it's so much easier to write in English. I can understand most of it. I can read it and I can write it if I have think about it. But speaking it is very different. Um, my head just can't go around the verbs. The verbs are so hard. It is crazy. I don't know why we have so many times. And also living in Santiago, I'm like, for the ones that don't know, they, they, they also have their own language. That is Galician. It's just, yeah. uh, it sounds like Portuguese. It's, it's maybe a little similar to Spanish, but if you know, if you talk to an old lady, you wouldn't understand anything. How was it for you? Were you able to, was that a mix up or no, um, it's really only the old, old people that speak Galician, just Galician. Most people speak both Spanish and Galician, I found. Um, yeah, that's a whole other language. That's yeah. <laughs> so, so how was living in Santiago? For all of us that you know, the, the longest I have stayed in Santiago is five days. How is living on a normal day on Santiago, waking up in it every day and being able to to go to the Bradoiro and see pilgrims every day. And like for me, one of the hardest parts when I finish my Camino is just be living in Pamplona and always see pilgrims, you know, going. So I always want to jump in and, and keep walking instead of going back home. For you living <laughs> at the end, how was it? I'm like, you know, being a pilgrim but not a pilgrim and living in a pilgrim town. Um, it was fun. I really, really loved it. I lived with a local. So I was living as a local, and because I was with local people, I was accepted by everybody there. So I became part of the community quite quickly. Um, yeah, I know. I know all the restaurants know me now, and and <laughs> whatever. Um, I've seen a lot of Galicia while I was there. My friend Gonzalo drove me around a lot. So I have seen a lot of Galicia, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, I did I did a few side trips too. I, I went up to um, A Coruña mm-hmm. and um, I've got a friend down in Oya. So I travelled around a little bit while I was there. I had weekends off so I could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I, I just loved living there. It was really fun. So, in the end, uh-huh. I was meeting people if I see on Facebook that they're coming into town people I know or know of I would contact them and say I'll meet you in the square and you know when you get there you look around and you th- all you're thinking of is getting to the cathedral and you get there and you think oh where do I go now yeah how do I find my accommodation where do I get my certificate so I would meet them there and take them to their accommodation take them down to the office to get their Compostela 
and then meet them the next day and do a walk around town with them and show them little secrets of places that I have found there, like where you can get scones with jam and cream, which is a real luxury for us. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, you know, I've asked them whether, what they want to eat and they might say curry or something. I know where to get that. <laughs> Most pilgrims just stick to the tapas bar streets, yeah. you know, the main streets. So, um, yeah, I found my way around town. I'd take them to the parks and take them to um, lovely places to go for coffee and yeah, I think all that's, my little places yeah. I discovered. And um, they were loving that. That was fun. I really enjoyed it. I met a lot of lovely pilgrims doing that. Yeah, I think that's a great, um, like, I try to do the same, you know, I always invite people to contact me or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and I will show them around in Pamplona or or the surroundings. And, like, visiting always with a local, you know, it's always so much better. So what will be your your perfect day, you know, for a pilgrim that arrives to Santiago? What would be your top five things to do once they are in the city? Go have a good massage. <laughs> I know my five, but what would be your? Yeah, I haven't really thought about this. Um, maybe have a good massage. Um, <laughs> go for a walk in the park, the Alameda Park. Uh-huh. Beautiful up there and peaceful. Um, well, you definitely have to try tapas bars. Yeah. You have to go up and down the street there. Hmm. Um, what will be the best place for, for a good meal after Camino Meal? Your... Ooh, I have some favorites. Um, I love the Italian restaurant, the, the main Italian restaurant there. Mm-hmm. Rua, Rua Villa, Villa, I think. Rua de Villa. Um, have to go to Gonzalo's bar. Of course. Gonzalo will say hi to you and you have to go to Rua. What was it? Rua? It's called Conga 7. It's Con- Conga seven, 7, yes. Rua de Conga. Rua de Conga, yeah. And it's the best okay. mixology bar in Santiago. And Gonzalo is such a great guy. So please, if everyone listening mm-hmm. here, if you want to go for a drink, you have to go and visit our friend Gonzalo. Yes. And he makes great cocktails really good cocktails and who doesn't um, like a cocktail at the end of the Camino yeah he's a pilgrim too so oh, he loves yeah. to meet pilgrims and he speaks really good English yeah and really good Spanish uh, <laughs> yeah, and really good Spanish and Galician <laughs> yeah uh, I think also you really need to for your first Camino you really need to do the trip down to Finisterre yeah. and Mushia. You really need to finish it by going there. I agree. I because always when you when you start getting to the last kilometers and there's so many people, you start not feeling like as a pilgrim. And, you know, and once you see it with time, it's it's just a different. But uh, as I my first timer, I was like, why there's so many people walking without backpacks? Why there's so many people gelling? I'm like, I want to go back to my old days in the French with just the 20 same guys every day. But walking to, to Muxia and to Finisterre, I don't know what you like to do first for me. I'll, I say that always Muxia is for the soul and Finisterre is for the body. It's kind of like a Definitely. total different experience. And I always suggest people to do, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for party, just go to Finisterre. If you're looking for time for yourself, go to Muxia. What is your opinion about that? Definitely. Um, Muxia is, is a very spiritual place. 
everybody that goes there says it's really peaceful and they felt really calm there and it was just a really good ending um, to a Camino. It, it's beautiful. I love it there. Hmm. Yeah, really for beautiful place. It is incredible. Yeah. Mm. So what plans do you have for your next Camino, for your next book or your next pilgrim experience? Yeah, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to write a book about my six months in Spain. Wow. So what um, is it? It's going to be like a, like a journal? It's going to be like a, the same as you're walking back home or is it going to be a new? Yeah. Yeah, it won't be a day-to-day -day thing. It'll be um, about my observations, about the customs and the people. Um the people I met and what I did each day. Um, I don't know how, how thick this book will be. <laughs> the, the other book that I've got, the Camino Journal, I did that for people who um, are walking their first Camino, really. Mm -hmm. It's very small. It's like A5. It's only a small page book and very light. I think it's about 120 grams. Okay. And... Um, my son has illustrated it with little pictures. He's an artist. And I've put in some information about the Camino as well. And a lot of people have said to me um, they wanted to journal, but they never know what to say. Yeah. So I've put in little prompting questions at the top of the page. and um, So it helps you it, like it, to walk and, and to suggestions to write about your Camino every day, something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, the questions are things like, who have you met today? Um, how are you feeling? Write down your feelings at the beginning of the Camino and compare it to how you feel at the end. Um, there's lots of blank pages. There's a couple of pages to scribble on or draw on or put photos in or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just a very small book. It fits really neatly into a backpack. So it's, a, you know, just a little something to take with you to write in. That's great because when I wore my Camino, I really I would love to have written more about it but I'm not a writer I'm more a you know a picture and video maker so once I try to write down you know sometimes you have to think too much about what to write at the end of the day but something like that uh, it will help a lot of people to to put down their thoughts at the end of the day yeah and I also want to write about the Via de la Plata wow um, when I was going to walk that one I was looking for information and I could only find one book and um, I read it. It was fabulous. Mm -hmm. That was uh, Piper's book. I think it's called Sinning Across Spain. Really good book. Uh, that's the only one I could find. So, you know, everybody tells me, oh, why did you do the Via de la Plata? It's so flat and boring. But it's actually <laughs> not. And, you, you know, I jokingly say it. It's not the Via de la Plata. It's mountains. <laughs> there is, <laughs> yeah. Mountain range that you have to cross and it was really tough and quite high and a few osobreros thrown in there. <laughs> How long did it take you to finish the Via de la Plata? Six and a half weeks. Six and a half weeks. You did all the way from Seville or where did you start? Yeah, from Seville. From Seville. Um, yeah, we, we, I walked with a, the girl I met on my first night on the French Camino at Orison. Wow. And, uh, we had only walked 10 days together <laughs> and we'd stayed in touch online. So it could have gone horribly wrong, but we did get on really well. So <laughs> six and a half weeks with someone you don't know is, you know, <laughs> interesting, but it was, yeah. it was good, but I'm well. 
And also for people that don't know the Via de la Plata and like some days you can be walking by yourself for 40k without anything. So you really need to to know the other person and know yourself to be able to do all of that. It's a very rugged Camino. It's very original and rugged. Mm -hmm. And there's no coffee shops and things. There's none of that. It's it's not as social. The whole six and a half weeks, we probably walked in a wave of 20 people Mm -hmm. and didn't see other pilgrims, about 20 pilgrims, that would be about it. Yeah. But it's quite isolated, so that's why I didn't want to do that one on my own. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a great decision, you know. I'm like a lot of people, it depends what you're looking for. As I say, you know, there's one Camino for everyone if you're yeah. looking for something. But Via de la Plata is the one that you're looking for, that loneliness, that one-on-one with yourself and, and just long days because some of these are going to be 40K, so you have to be ready to, to walk. Yeah. The first few days are really tough. Um, yeah, it's a, it's really tough. It's flat and boring and no trees, nothing. But and everybody falls us, in love with it. I'm like, I don't know what it yeah. has, but everybody that I met, I, I haven't done the Via de la Plata yet, but everybody loves it. I'd do it again in a flash. But it was um, over 40 degrees on our yeah. first two or three days. Yeah, probably and, not uh, the best to start in August or July in Seville. We started mid-September. And it was 40 degrees? Yeah. Wow. It was rugged. Yeah, I bet. I, had I known it was going to be like that, I wouldn't have done it. It was actually quite dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like for Via de la Plata, you have to do it in, in a spring. You're going to start walking probably in February with no problem or even doing it in winter. But doing Via de la Plata in yeah. the summer, you have to be ready and, and prepare. Because, yeah, the two, the, the two liters a day of water in the Via de la Plata can become four, four liters of water easily. Yeah, you have, to, um, you have to carry more. You have to carry a lot more water with you. Mm-hmm. You have to carry food with you sometimes because there's no shops and things. Yeah. Um, and you have to carry – you start off in the heat because it's the south of Spain. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get to Galicia, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we had to cover every every aspect of that, clothing-wise. Mm-hmm. So we did carry more. Uh, it was good, though. Great adventures. Yeah, that's that, that's for sure on my list. So we were talking at the beginning prior to the interviews, you know, how has the Camino became so huge in Australia? And, like, for me, you know, being from Spain, it's always been in the front of my door. Like I, like, I just walk outside and the Camino is right there. And I did my first Camino when I was 30-something. So, But for me, the big question is how the Camino makes it all the way to the other side of the world. And like I know that now in Australia, there's a huge community of pilgrims. It's growing every year. Every year, I see more pilgrims coming all the way from Australia. And first of all, it's not cheap. It's, it's not a, you need to have some time. So why, what is your thoughts about this? Yeah, that's interesting. I think when you... When you have done a Camino and you go back home, it's still for me all these years later, there's not a day goes by where I don't think about it. (laughs) And you can't explain what it's like to anybody unless they've done it as well. that's the biggest problem. There's no way to explain what the Camino is unless you've done it. (laughs) You need someone to talk to about the Camino. You have to debrief all the time. So we have little community groups, and I think that's what's happened. They've grown, and in each 
capital city and now in all the regional areas, we have little Camino groups. And people come along for dinner or for a walk or whatever we're doing, people that are, have heard about it and don't know what to do, so they come along for information, mm-hmm. or people that walk the Camino and need, need to debrief and talk to someone about it <laughs> uh, or need to keep walking. So I think that's why it's growing because so many of us have done it and it's word of mouth. It's not even um, advertised really. I know. Still a lot of people don't know what it is, but for us as Australians, it's we come to Spain because it's cheaper. Yeah. The French, you know, the French are the European ones. You have to stay in B&Bs and hotels and different sort of accommodation. You can't get the accommodation you get in Spain yeah. with the Albertines. <laughs> That's another draw card. Um, it's... Uh, people say it's a cheap holiday. It's far from a holiday, but <laughs> I wouldn't call it a holiday, but it's it's a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah, and I agree that sometimes, you know, as, as I always say, the Camino, can the reasons to start can be different. You know, some people will do it as a holiday, but if you do the 30 days, I don't know if you agree with me, it, it becomes something yeah. different. You know, your main reason at the beginning can be, yes, go for a walk. I'm like a cheap holiday, as you say, and, and it is, you know, we are the cheapest place in Europe to almost go for a holiday there's no other place in Europe that you can do so much with so less but if you do the whole 30 days when you arrive to Santiago you are a different person and the and I'm pretty uh, sure that it wasn't a holiday at all yeah. it's been scientifically proven though that walking does things to your mind I know there's a, there's a bit, even a research right now here in Spain about how pilgrims you know they do uh, they uh, interview you prior to your camino then they interview you yep. once you finish your Camino and then do another interview in a year. But also they have oh. set a, a time. You have to walk at least 15 days. I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that's the time when you when you realize that you're a pilgrim. If you do one week, it's just like, a, oh, it's a trip. Once you start getting to the 10-day mark, it's when you are like, it becomes something bigger. I don't know. If... Yeah, well, if you're doing the French one, that's about the time you hit the meseta, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that's when it hits you. <laughs> The Masetta does your head in, yeah. Oh, um, so the is where my whole being just changed totally. Yeah, I completely changed into a different person on the Masetta. Yeah, I I know when yeah. people complain about the Masetta, I don't know why. I'm like, for me, it was also, I have also such incredible you know memories from the Masetta walking. It's so beautiful, even for the summer. I remember the hard you know sunny days and super hot, but mm. I have such a great memory from the Masetta. I don't know why people jump over by train or bus. I'm like, unless you don't have the time. But even though I'm like, I would rather spend time visiting the amazing landscape. Yeah, the Meseta has a magic. So anyway, uh, you, you talk about all the these pilgrim communities. You know, for any other pilgrims listening to us and you know from all over the world or from Australia, I'm like, what information? How they can contact them? How they can become part of that community? Yeah, there's, um, we have a society in Australia um, and it's called, oh gosh, now you've got me, the Australian <laughs> Friends of the Pilgrims, I don't know. Uh, let me, Australia. Australian Friends of the Camino. Friends of the Camino. Yeah, Australian Friends of the Camino and the website is uh, 3afotc.org. 
Australian Friends of the Camino. So you can visit the website and check it up. And it has all the information. And they will put you onto a group that's closest to where you're living, perhaps, or they'll be able to help you with information. And if not, you can always call Maggie or me and we will get in, you in touch with them. You can always check the website or or on Facebook. She's super active on Facebook, helping every pilgrim out there. I'm always seeing yes. your post. <laughs> it's one <laughs> of the things that... It is incredible how we can... There's no way we can unplug from the Camino. I'm like, people ask me and, you know, all my friends are... They hate me because every day, you know, living in Pamplona, it's like, oh, pilgrim there, pilgrim not here. I don't know if for you it's the same. I'm like... And now this has become my, I'm, I'm committed to the whole Camino. I'm like, we we are doing a lot of projects here. I don't know if it's the same for you. I'm like, it's like I need my, my Camino doses every day. Yes, I think about it all the time. I read everything I can. I'm on lots of Facebook sites um, and chatting. And I've met so many beautiful people. I've just had a weekend in Sydney. I flew down to Sydney and stayed with a pilgrim I met in a bar stayed with her and then uh, I went to see Dan Mullins who's an Australian singer he's singing in a bar and pub in Sydney and um, oh no I've just got friends all over the place now it's great yeah. and you can go and talk stuff and it's incredible you know because we you and I we just met for a couple of days and it became some yeah. kind of a weird friendship that you know you know the yeah. pilgrims you know, like the other person is like you. It has the same craziness. It has the same love for the Camino. And that's the beauty of the Camino that, you know, people are bond because we all have kind of like, being so different, we are so similar. And you can go, yeah. it's such a beautiful community because hey, I even traveled some places and I met pilgrims over there. They help you, you know, they they get guide you. They do whatever way. We will get out of our ways to help any other pilgrim. Yes. So It's um, an instant friendship too. You tell them your deepest sim- secrets. Yeah, it is incredible how you open yourself to people in the Camino. Yeah. To you tell them things that you wouldn't even tell your friends. It's it's something incredible. Yeah, it's a great bond. I love it. I love it too. Yeah, incredible. So anyway, thank you so much. I'm so lucky. What? Sorry. I feel so lucky that I've done all of this. I know. I'm the same way. I'm like I don't know. You know, some people tell me like, as you say, and we talk. In the, in the beginning of the interview, like, you don't know what it is until you've done it. Because yeah. there's no really way to explain it. I'm like, I, don't, I remember the first time I met you guys when we were going to Muxia, and it was like, I already know you from all my life. And now yeah. it's like, we, we have that weird connection. We were from all over the world, all different, and all at the same time so, so close. And you, you know, it doesn't matter your religion, your beliefs, your age. It's just, and that's the beauty of the Camino. Maybe that's what it is because everybody is equal. We're all experiencing the same thing at the same time. We're all exhausted. We're all tired and aching and we're all laughing at the same time. And maybe it's such a leveler. It doesn't matter who you are. It is. So for you, you know, I'm, nowadays it's a, I'm, we've been, you know, researching a lot of, and a lot of people have become, you know, they, they call what they call the, the silver seniors and you are super young in heart. And I know, but a lot of people is having, you know, problem from a working life to a, to a non-working, you know, being retired. And a lot of people is having this these times of the life. And you, with your story, what would you be your suggestion for people out there that they are looking? What will be your suggestions, you know, to help them and go to the Camino, try it, and it will change it? What will be your, what oh. would you tell them? 
Well, the first thing is don't wait until you think you can do it. Um, I worked I worked with cancer patients, so I used to see people coming in every day, you know, really scared for their results and things. And if they, you know, dealt with all their treatment and got through it, I was meeting all these people that were doing things they've always wanted to do and hadn't, like mm-hmm. learning to skin dive, whatever. Um, they were um, walking across France doing all these fabulous things that they've always wanted to do, but having a health scare like that has prompted them to realise what's important in life mm-hmm. and uh, appreciation of life. So I looked at that and thought, I'm going to do this while I can. Even though I wasn't ready for retirement, um, I just thought, you never know, it's around the corner. So just get up off your bum and go do it. I mean, you see 80, 90-year-old people walking the Camino. If they can do it, you can. Yeah, and you see five years old doing it too. So there's no, yeah, yeah, people in a wheelchair, people with no legs, people blind. There's no reason. Yeah, and it's just such a fabulous thing to do to ground yourself and bring you back into who you are as a person and make you appreciate the people around you, your family, and make you appreciate what you've got. It does all those things. It is. It is. It is. It's incredible, yeah. Instead of investing your money in in some other stuff, invest your money in yourself and, and go and walk the Camino. And take time out for yourself, yeah. after yourself change. Yeah, I think that, women, yeah, that's one of the enough. things that we don't take time nowadays for ourselves. And, and that's the beauty of the Camino yeah. because it's the first time that you, you have no other, even with so many people, people, you know, complain about the French wind with so many people. But even in walking the oh. French, you're going to have so many hours of just walking with yourself. And I think that's the, the hardest part for everyone nowadays, just to be with mm. your, your own self and, and discover who you are. So, yeah. A lot of people are scared of that. But isn't it interesting when you see them starting, everyone's so eager and excited and they're all racing ahead and then by the end of it they're so relaxed they don't want to finish. They I start know. slowing right down. I know. The saddest yeah. moments became the, 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 the happiest moments when you arrive to Santiago and you know that it's sober but it has begun. It's it's yeah. just so weird that, yeah, you have to live it to, to know what it is. Anyway, thank you so much, Maggie. I hope that everything goes well and we can see each other. And anyone out there, if you need any questions, Maggie is super active on Facebook. Go read her book or contact any of us and we would love to help you. Anyway, Maggie, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Buen Camino and Ultreya. Thanks, Jose Marie. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to El Camino People, the podcast. If you like our show and want to know more about El Camino Santiago, check our website, elcaminopeople.com. We are also on Instagram and on Facebook. Please follow us. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or iBox. Also, please leave us a good review. Thank you so much. Buen Camino Ultreya. Yeah.